Welcome to Kicking It With The K-Train, talking with people who help me keep an eye on my vision. Hey everyone, my name is Kyle Kuhn. I'm a totally blind US Paralympian author and speaker. Um, I've been pretty fortunate to live a full and adventurous life. Um, you could say that I have been pretty successful, um, but I definitely could not have done it without the help of some really incredible people. Um, so on this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to many of the people who have helped shape me into the person that I am today. Um, and you know, these are the people um, that really help me keep an eye on my vision. And maybe through hearing their stories, uh, they can help you as well. So let's get started. Huge shout out to my personal partners who help support my adventure athlete career. Um, massive, massive thanks to Bubba Burger. You'll never bite a burger better than a Bubba. Um, straight from the freezer to either the grill or the stovetop, you guys. Um, I've been eating Bubba's for over 20 years. I mean, that's the majority of my life. And hands down, this is the best burger out there. So go check out BubbaFoods.com and uh, check out the store locator to see where you can get your favorite variety of Bubba today. Thanks so much to Infinite Performance Nutrition. Um, take your nutrition personally. Hydration and protein, um, custom tailored for your unique recovery, uh, tastes, sweat rate, um, you know, your training, your goals, you know, and, and your lifestyle. Um, you guys, I, I've been using Infinite since uh, before the Paralympics in 2021, and right now I can't imagine using uh, anything else. Um, they keep me fueled through every workout and every race. So uh, check out infinitenutrition.us, I-N-F-I-N-I-T, nutrition.us, and uh, use the code COON15, that's C-O-O-N-1-5, for 15% off your order. Discover your adventure with Cycles Chinook. Um, you guys, Cycles Chinook delivers an exceptional experience uh, through inspired design, personalized approach, and a shared love of riding bikes. Um, you know, guys, I, I can personally attest to this. I, I have been riding a custom built um, Chinook time trial tandem since 2019, and their passion really is um, encouraging exploration and delivering adventure. Um, so you know, check out cycleschinook.com. That's cycles, C-H-I-N-O-O-K.com. And um, you know, go let them help you um, find your adventure. And uh, let them know that uh, Kyle Kuhn sent you. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Kicking It with the K-Train, where I chat with people who help 
me keep an eye on my vision. And um, I would say that this week's guest uh, definitely helps me keep an eye on my vision just about every single day, at least every basically every single day for the last three plus, you know, almost actually, yeah, uh, just over three years. Um, <laughs> uh, she has been an uh, integral part of my life and uh, she is infinitely way cooler uh, than me, as you guys will find out. I am really uh, happy to introduce Jessica Tuamala, um, who also happens to be my partner in crime slash girlfriend. So <laughs> Babe, welcome to the show. Just slash, huh? Integral. That's a big word. Infinitely. I don't know if I can digest all of these this early morning. <laughs> no, first and foremost, Jess is my girlfriend. Uh, definitely my, my partner in crime. Better half. Whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to call yourself. Yeah, we all Can I be partner in crime first? Uh, sure. Partner okay. in crime. Okay. <laughs> that works. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot of people, you know, have followed both of us on social media and stuff, but I don't think um, any, like, like uh, most of my fans and followers don't really know your story as well as they do mine. So I, like, I kind of want to dive into your background a little bit so like can you kind of just share with um share with us like you know what you know you know what your story is where do you want me to start <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to the let's what, go back what to kyle the... hasn't told you is that i'm like also aged greatly compared to him and so I'm therefore not, my story is much longer <laughs> no 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 why don't why don't why don't you start with uh what what uh ties us together pretty pretty closely and and that is uh our our, our cancer history <laughs> okay you want me to go that far back all right here we go I hope you guys, everyone should get comfy. This might take a while. <laughs> Kyle, please stop me if I'm overdoing it over here. Uh, well, you're fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so as Kyle said, um, I guess kind of strangely enough, I'm not sure which word you would use there, but um, we both lost our sight to the same cancer, which is retinoblastoma, um, cancer of the retinas. Um, I lost my vision younger, so I was three and a half by the time I lost sight in both eyes. So I don't think um, our growing up experience was necessarily the same in some ways, but it was similar in other ways. You know, learning how to navigate the world as a kid, reading Braille, um, taking notes in school, wanting to do really, really well. Um, yeah, so I think we were different in kind of our pathway in that, you know, there was four years difference almost in um, our sight loss. But um, I think just sort of that growing up piece as kids with disabilities, trying to navigate the world, trying to be independent, trying to learn what that looks like. I think that was probably very similar for both of us. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. So like you, I mean, so you don't really have 
any memories of being able to see. Um, yeah, I mean, at least you know, when I think back, I I barely remember when I was three years old. Um, but mm-hmm. you like, I mean, you you literally have grown up with you literally grew up with you know not being able to see. Um, but you were like you and your 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 parents, your 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 cousins, like your family, like you were all pretty determined that you were going to be, you know, independent and and live life pretty fully. Um, For so, sure. Like where like where did you? Like, can you, can you tell people where you grew up <laughs> yeah, and for sure. how, how, like, kind of the circumstances around your upbringing? Yeah. <laughs> you make it sound like I was raised on a foreign planet. Uh, I mean, it, it was <laughs> not bit, in the... Yeah. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, I had a, I'm very grateful for the upbringing that I had. Um, yeah. So I grew up in Northern Ontario, Um, which is a province of Canada, just for some of you who might not know. Um, And um, I'm an only child, but I had a very large extended family, lots of cousins on both sides of my family, my dad's side, my mom's side. And we, I, well, I didn't know at the time, but apparently we were poor. I had no idea. Um, (laughs) And so (laughs) what that meant was um, we, learned how to play with what we had and that was really outdoors and so it was like I remember one time we got into a grass fight we got in big trouble for tearing the lawn out and throwing it at each other but um (laughs) you know so we sort of like made do with what we had around us and I think um in some ways that really taught me to have a lot of problem solving skills um in a creative way um you know we played hide and seek and I would hold on to someone's arm and we would race around and um kind of do it that way uh I have a best friend I've known since I was in grade two it was kind of around that age where kids were like starting to notice that something was different with me um and it wasn't really cute to hang on to each other's arms anymore (laughs) um and so I sort of lost the friend group that I had um, but there was one one girl who was a year younger than me, um, and she was off to lunch. And one of my my grade two teacher asked her, "Hey, would you take Jess to lunch with you?" And it just we never stopped being friends from that day. We <laughs> shared cookies every day. One of us brought a stuffed animal to lunch every. It was usually me with a unicorn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and and we, her and I, we came up with with a lot of different games too, like. Um, to be able to run independently. And I use the word run very loosely. Uh, (laughs) I would put, she would get into a hula hoop and put it up against her stomach. And then I would hold on to the back end of the hula hoop. I was outside of it and she would run. And I would just like follow this hula hoop. We did it with skipping rope runs. That was really bad plan. Uh, She went through (laughs) monkey bars and I uh, ran into the monkey bars and ended up with uh, chipped teeth. But- (laughs) Hey, it sounds like my upbringing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, kids get chipped teeth. That's what happens. So, yes, yes, we do. Yeah. So it, that was, you know, and I grew up camping and swimming in lakes. Uh, I was terrified of deep water. I wore a life jacket up until I was about 12. Um, <laughs> I was terrified of deep water. I love the water. I was terrified yep. of drowning. Yep. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of, kind of it. 
Yeah. Took a village for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, at, you know, I, I want to kind of dive into you, like you were terrified of, of deep water. Like you love the water, but you're terrified of deep water. You wore the life jacket. Um, and probably, I think, wasn't it around, like you were like 11 or 12 years old. That was kind of the time you decided that you wanted to go to the school for the blind. Um, so can you talk us through like your education, like your education, like, cause you were, you were a mainstream student mm-hmm. for, for a time. And then you went to the school for the blind and then you decided to go back to mainstream schooling. <laughs> like, can you walk us through those decisions and like, apparently why? I was nomadic even at a young age. Um, my <laughs> didn't want to stay still. I was in mainstream school up until um, grade six and I really wanted to play sports. Um, <laughs> And they did the best they could. However, the, the their version was in gym class. I could sit on the floor and roll a ball to someone else, which the kids who weren't athletic really liked that. And that's great. But for me, I was so bored. Um, yeah. And so um, I also wanted to play baseball. And they said, well, you can, but you have to wear a helmet in the outfield. And like, I'm 11 at this time. And that's when you really are not fitting in. And I was like, well, is everyone else wearing a helmet? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, then I'm not doing that. Like, Thanks for, you know, <laughs> whacking the sore thumb even more, right? Like, yep, yep. Um, yeah, so at that point, I decided I was going to go to the School for the Blind, which was down in Southern Ontario, which is a good 12-hour drive from my parents. Yep. Um, and so I went, and it was because I wanted to play sports. And I wanted to do homework, funnily enough. Um, I wasn't getting any homework. It was grade six. I wasn't getting any homework and I knew I wanted to go to university. And I was like, I'm going to be in big trouble. <laughs> if I don't know that like I had maybe that much of a, a like mature brain wave thought pattern, but like I definitely knew that this was a bad plan um, not to have homework. So that's, those are the two reasons I decided to go to the school for the blind. And as part of our um, gym program, two days a week we were in the gym and then two days a week we were in the pool. And that's actually where I learned how to swim. Um, I had failed swimming lessons three times up until that point. Um, <laughs> I had tried really hard. It was terrifying. Um, <laughs> and even then it was terrifying. Um, but I think because of just the environment that I was in, I was able to learn and um, got over that fear and was able to enjoy my love of the water even more. Mm-hmm. And um kind of in November is when their swim team season starts. And one of the uh, swim instructors for the swim teachers, I guess, for the school was also the swim coach. And he was like, you should join the swim team. And I think Mm -hmm. I pretty much literally laughed in his face um, (laughs) (laughs) because I was like, I just learned how to swim. I shouldn't be racing swimming. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, he worked on me for like a month and I did join mostly because my friends were joining sometimes peer pressure is okay I guess yeah sometimes sometimes (laughs) Sometimes. um I just wanted to be social and so um and at that point cross-country season uh had ended which was very good for me because I was a terrible runner awful just awful (laughs) um and uh and so I started swimming and that's sort of where my fear ended I still have a healthy fear of the ocean scares me a little bit yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of where it ended. And I started on the swim team. I was 12. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So you join not normal athletic powder pathway at all. No, not, not really. But so you, <laughs> so like you fail swimming three, you know, fail swimming lessons. Eventually you make the swim team. And uh, so now we're going to fast forward. You're, you're 12 years old. We fast forward. You decided to, you decide to leave the school for the blind. Like, oh, why, yeah, did you, that part. Yeah. why did you decide to, <laughs> what, what, what was the thought process in, in going back to mainstream school? So kind of end of grade eight, beginning of grade nine. So I'd already been there for two years or so. because I went for grade seven. Um, I started realizing that the school was very tiny. You know, there was like 300 plus students from kindergarten to we had 13 grades at that point um, in Ontario. Right. That just shows everybody my age right there if you are from Ontario. Um, anyway, <laughs> so um, I, again, it was kind of that forward thinking of, wow, if I go to university, this that's going to be such a shock because this place is so tiny. Like I was running around that school. I'd memorized it um, through muscle memory. With, so I was running around it without a cane, um, like no mobility aids. <laughs> um, and I kind of thought, I'm not going to be able to do that on a university campus. And so no. again, it was pushing myself. There's, there's cars and students and yeah. Um, so it's pushing myself out of that comfort zone of like, everyone was aware at the school for the blind that there's blind kids at this school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, don't leave obstacles in the hallway. Very rarely did people leave obstacles in the hallway. There were railings on the walls if you needed them. There were, like, markers to let you know that it was a classroom. Um, Obviously, right, it was all very, it was designed for people who could not see or had partial vision, um, which was great. It was a really great learning opportunity. But I knew that the rest of the world wasn't built that way. Um, And so, again, in preparation for university, I left. Um, I went back to mainstream school for grade 10 and that was terrifying and so hard. Um, I left all my friends, you know, and I went from being someone yep. who was fairly popular and had friends and was, I was, I did so many things in grade eight, like so many activities in grade eight, I actually accidentally made myself sick and they had to send me home for two weeks <laughs> to <Ooh>. rest. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> some things never change right no um, they don't <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a little better um so I uh yeah I I just was like okay I need to go back and so that first like four to six months um back in mainstream high school was was very challenging mm-hmm. um the hallways were really scary to me so which is a good I made a good decision right like hallways of a high school were scary what were hallways of university going to be like so um yeah it was a good decision but it almost every day I cried and wanted to go back and um my parents said you have to stick it out for the first semester and then we can make a decision by the end of the first semester I'd sort of settled in um, I had continued swimming, which I think in some way was a bit of a saving grace. So, yep. yeah. And so like you, you're continuing swimming, you are apparently getting pretty good at this point. So I guess I'm getting faster. Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting, <laughs> you're, so you're getting faster. Um, and you jumped into, 
elite, you know, para swimming. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny because I don't think I really realized that's what it was. Like, right. I was so new to sporting world that I didn't understand really. Like, I knew there were levels, but I didn't really understand what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I swam at provincials, won things didn't really understand that that was a big deal. I was like, cool, nice. Um, went to nationals, won things, didn't really understand that was a big deal. Yep. I had a national record, still was like, hmm, cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then my coach at that point kind of said, like, you could go to the Paralympic Games. And pretty sure I laughed in his face too. Because um, I was like, <laughs> for the longest time, I didn't even know what the Paralympic Games were. I didn't know that yep. they were a thing. Yep. Um, and so then I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll try and do that. And so I sort of, I mean, you, it sounds funny saying this out loud. You hear people committing themselves to this process. And like, I think I've done that with triathlon and my triathlon pathway has been very different. Yep. Um, but with swimming, it was just like, hmm, okay, I'll give it a go. You know, I didn't really yeah. understand what I was doing or what I was getting myself into. Um, and my first international competition was the Paralympic Games. And so <laughs> I sort of skipped a bunch of things, right? And it was like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> so, so let's, let's, uh, so your first Paralympic Games was when? Sydney, 2000. S- Sydney, 2000. And how old were you? I just turned 17. I so wasn't you, the youngest one on the team, but I was pretty close. Yeah. So <laughs> 17 years old. You're, and like, was, um, I think that was like, wasn't that, I, I think you, you'd been to the, you'd been to the U.S. at that point, I think, but like, yeah, uh, for, yeah, but like, that, Ohio. but that wasn't, yeah, but like, yeah, but that, like, that wasn't like, it oh, was yeah. international, it was international travel, but like, so that, like, not Sydney, really. Because yeah. so, so, even so back Sydney then, you didn't was, need passports to get into the states from Canada. Right. So, like, so this was so Australia was really your first big, you know, like you said, your, your first big international race, your first big international travel experience. Uh huh. Um, yeah. You go, welcome. Travel thirty-two hours. Your yeah, first and, time ever. I yep, know. Yep. And so you go, you go to the Paralympics, and what happens? Like what, what, what events did you uh, swim? What, oh, like, what, what was, did I swim? like, what, oh, goodness. what was your, what was your, what, what happened at the, your first games? Well, I won a medal, which I'm not really sure we, that was a surprise. I went and seated <laughs> last dead last. I shouldn't even have made finals. Um, anyway, but all of my races were like that. Like I went, mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> maybe there was some kind of weird, like, Australian magic going on um I what did I swim I had 100 free Mm -hmm. 100 back 50 free which is what I won the silver in Mm uh 200 I am I'm missing something no I feel like I'm missing two I don't know there were a lot of events because there's like heats and finals right were you swimming 100 breast at that point no we did not have 100 breaststroke Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but you, but you won the, you won the silver medal in the 50 free and like Mm -hmm. at your first international competition, uh, like, like 
was that like did it feel like a big deal to no. you at the time no no <laughs> <laughs> it's still I mean I know logically in my brain that it is like it's a big deal but like it still doesn't feel like it and I don't know mm-hmm. why and I I'm thinking maybe it's because I didn't have the experience of climbing the ladder right, right. Like, and I don't know but I remember touching the wall um and looking up and so we have tapper so when your our ca- classification was s11 which is completely mm-hmm. blind um and so we have to have tappers it's someone who stands at the end of the pool and whacks you on the head like literally that's <laughs> what they do um, which is nicer than you slamming into the wall mm-hmm. and so he tapped me and i like rolled and i like pushed really hard and I remember in that race before that part <laughs> reverse let's back up before that part um so the other thing is when you're swimming and you're completely blind you don't know where anybody else is like you just get in and you have to swim as fast as you can and hope to hell that it's enough yep um and parts of triathlon are like that too yep and i remember i had bounced off of one of the lane ropes and we had come up with this strategy if you hit the lane rope stay there because otherwise you ping pong all the way down Yep. And that makes it longer than 50 meters and that makes it slower. So I hit a lane rope with my left shoulder and I was like, okay, I'm going to stay here. And as I'm going, I feel splashing beside me. And all I could think was, at least I can beat this person. <laughs> and so I started swimming harder and faster. Um, felt the top of my head rolled, reached for the wall, like stretched as far as I could, hit the wall, popped up. And the guy who was tapping me said you're second and I was like that's not funny (laughs) and he's like no you're second and I was like what (laughs) turns out the person that I was racing beside me came third so (laughs) good thing you felt the splashes good thing I felt the splashes Mm -hmm. um yeah so that was and and even like thinking about on it now like it it was it was a very cool experience but i remember feeling very shocked and dazed and confused afterwards and mm-hmm. i remember watching my teammates celebrate their medals and being like how come i don't feel like that right mm-hmm. but these are people who have been working there was people there who had been to the 92 paralympics right so right. like this was their third game this was you know or other people have been working on it for 4 years and so like I think just the experience level just wasn't there to understand what had just happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I actually, so if, if you don't mind talking about it, um, you were going through some interesting um, around this time. I think it was like a year earlier or something like that. Um, so like if, if people see, photos of you um so some of the the cancer treatment that that you went through um you know the radiation really affected the your right eye and essentially Mm -hmm. the right side of of your face um and so you know um you you know around you know around I think you were like 15 or 16 so like kind of sort of around the time you're getting ready for the Paralympics and you know about to go to the games you were presented with an opportunity for you know to basically change that can you like do you mind 
Yeah, no. Talking so about that? The, no, and I think it's important to talk about. Like, I, yeah. I think, um, I think we shy away, and I'm not saying you in particular, but I think no, no, no. in general, in society, we shy away from things that are different and things that appear uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had, it's the eye shape is significant enough that little kids notice and yeah. little kids don't have a filter, <laughs> right. which I think is fantastic because mm-hmm. to me, it's a learning opportunity for parents of course they're embarrassed and probably are worried about my reaction. Right. They don't want their kids to offend me. And for some people it might offend them. Right. Like I don't, everyone's life experience is different, but for me it isn't. And so quite often if little kids, you know, they're quite blunt. Like I've had, what happened to your eye? (laughs) (laughs) No. And quite often I'll get down on, on their level, like sit down on the ground because they're tiny humans, right. They're short. Yep. Yep. And so then that way they can look into my face as much as they want. Yeah. Um, and I explained to them, like my eye was very sick. Um, you know, we had to have medicine and it, it, it made my eye shaped differently, but it's not sick anymore, you know? And right. so like, um, that's a very obviously simplistic version of it for a five-year-old, sure. <clears throat> but, um, it basically the radiation um, stunted the growth of the right cheekbone. It also made me deaf in my right ear, like pretty much fully. Yep. Yep. Um, and so kind of around that time, um, because I was up in Northern Ontario, we would get visits from specialists. We don't really have specialists up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came in and they were like, Hey, like we could do reconstructive surgery. Um, what like when would you like to get it done blah 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 and I was like wait I need reconstructive surgery like (laughs) it hadn't even occurred to me that this was a thing that needed to happen right um and I kind of said well what like what's the function what's the purpose Mm -hmm. um I'm sure probably not in those words because I was like 16 um but they you know they said oh well it's, it's just cosmetic and for me like that didn't make sense. Like it was an 18 hour surgery. They'd have to peel my whole face back. They would rebuild it. It might not take because the bone is dead on the right hand side. Right. And then there was this big, huge, long rehab period. And here I am. I'm like, I'm trying to finish high school. I'm swimming. I'm going to university. I'm trying to get a guide dog. I don't have time for this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I said, no, you know, like I've lived this whole, this way, my whole life. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't need to change it. And I, there, there were like, not to devalue the fact that there were struggles based mm-hmm. on that eye shape. And there still are like, there sure. is stigma that surrounds things that people are uncomfortable with. Yep. Um, but I think for me, I made the best decision that I could make because mm-hmm. I could continue on with my life and do what I needed to do and do what I wanted to do. Wow. Yeah. No, Is that fair? I, it, it, yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. really fair. And, and like, I, I, I love hearing that story. Like every time, like I, you know, every time I hear you tell that story, you know, whether it in, whether it's in interviews or like us talking about it, you know, 
this, that, or the other. Like it, it reminds me that, you know, it's, it's okay to be like, it's okay to look a little different. It's okay to, to, to be a little different. Like, you know, there, there is certain, uh, you know, we do have to have a certain amount of conformity, but at the same time, like it's, it's awesome to embrace our differences. And, and, and like, I, one of the things that I always really ad- admire about you is that you embraced that at a, at an age where a lot of young girls are super obsessed and worried about how they look. Um, yeah. And I, I just, I think that's, that's really different. And I, I think I, I was concerned. I, I still cared, right? Like that part of being a girl when you're sort of taught those things, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that was still there. Like, cause mm-hmm. I do remember I had moments where like I turned 16 and I think it finally hit me that like, holy, I am never going to drive. Like I will never get my driver's license. I will never be able to get in a car and blare my music and have the windows down. And, and I cried, like I, I had to have a pity party. Like it just had to happen. (laughs) I had to mourn and to put it, to put it more, um, succinctly, I guess, like I had to mourn that loss. Right. Cause it is a loss. Yeah. And I think, I think though in recognizing that there was loss allowed me to embrace myself to be myself Mm -hmm. and to try and be okay with who I was and like you know we all go through periods of times in our lives where we're like whoa I don't like this about me right like it happens yep Yep. but it's learning when to try and be gentle with yourself and acknowledge and accept that no, I am different. No, I, I, I really, I think I remember the words literally being in my brain. I will never be a princess. Like, and I don't even know what that has to do with anything. Like I, (laughs) I think to me, it was like looking beautiful and stunning. And so for some reason, I don't know why princess came into my brain, but I remember that well, I, I think I, I well, <laughs> I, well should, should you go ahead should you go ahead should we go ahead and tell people what I text you every morning <laughs> good morning princess <laughs> in a much more we... in a much in a much more a different voice than that but you oh, know. more manly voice <laughs> good morning princess <laughs> better uh, uh, not much but <laughs> no I'll, I'll work on that <laughs> it's okay uh i just find that but i find that i, I find that because i did the princess yes, yes right? we did yes 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 absolutely <laughs> redefined princess <sighs> Sorry, oh my God. <laughs> no, I, I love it i love it okay so like you're going so you're going through this this morning period you go to the paralympics and then you go to university you get your you get a your first guide dog and oh, uh, I did. She was so okay. many so many crazy so things many. so like so, so many so, so so tell tell us you know quickly tell us like why did you want why did you want to why did you want to go get a guide dog and you know the only yeah. reason I learned to use a white cane was because it was my pathway to a guide dog. 
That sounds familiar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure I've heard you say that multiple times. Yep. (laughs) Um, First of all, I love dogs. If anyone knows me and poor Kyle has to listen to me all the time, I am obsessed. I love dogs. They are my life. They will always be my life. Multiple of them will always be my life. (laughs) <laughs> yes, we have mul- we have we have multiples. <laughs> we do. Um, and also, um, for me, guide dogs, I feel like I can move more freely. Um, I don't want all the extra information that a cane gives me. Like I don't want to know that I'm walking past a light post and a fence and a garbage can and 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 and. Um, I just want to get to where I'm going. Yeah. Um, and so to me, the dog, um, just made sense. It was faster for me. Um, it was more free flowing and I just loved the idea of working in this partnership and this team with this dog. And like, also I just love the way dogs brains work and I wanted to experience that firsthand. And yeah, so I went and got my first guide dog little black lab <laughs> little black lab named jetta i never met jetta. her but she sounded she sounded amazing oh she was awesome <laughs> she was so feisty pants dog loved her I, th- I think she got that from you <laughs> well apparently they put us together because we were both like that i'm like thanks i think that's uh, a compliment it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome so so you go, you go off, you know, you go, you win a silver medal in Sydney, you get Jetta, you go off to university, you, um, and you decide to keep swimming. And like, did mm-hmm. you decide that you wanted to go back to the, like, when did you decide that you wanted to go back to the, to the Paralympics? Pretty much as soon as I left the first ones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just figured that was the normal pathway, right? Like here I am right. not understanding sport and I'm like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Um, so yeah, so I trained for Athens, um, had some bumps along the way, changing swim clubs, um, sort of growing into myself, becoming independent, living on my own for the first time. Like I'd moved away from home, but we had resident staff and a dining hall and, right. <laughs> you know, um, when I was at the school for the blind. So, yeah. um, yeah, it was kind of all those regular growing pains that university students go through plus not being able to see and trying to like work those out and, um, had a brand new guide dog had to, as much as I wanted to learn how to work with her, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> no clue. Um, so yeah, I think up to Athens, things were a bit bumpy. Um, but I think that's okay. It was it was very good. And Athens was a really cool game. Um, I didn't come home with a medal, unfortunately. I was close. Um, unfortunately, got disqualified in my best event. We've been training the breaststroke event. Um, and it was going into finals seated first. But a referee from a couple lanes over said that I didn't touch the wall with both hands, which you're supposed to do in breaststroke. And so... Um, unfortunately was disqualified um so went and cheered my heart out for the russian athlete because we were friends and i wanted her to win since i couldn't win Um, (laughs) and she did Did, i was gonna say did she (laughs) she did yep awesome she did i just 
very much had a lot of respect for her and thought she was an incredible human. She had a, a baby. She had, I mean, he was a, maybe he was four when we were at the, those games. Um, oh. Yeah, just really incredible person. Um, continues her university, then ended up uh, with a shoulder injury that just wouldn't resolve. I dealt with it for six to eight months, mm-hmm. um, got dismissed from the national team, um, was like, excuse me, I'm not done. Um, <laughs> continued training on my own. Uh, made the pair of Pan Am Games team, went to Brazil, uh, won a whole bunch of medals there, which was a really cool opportunity and very, very cool. Um, the only thing was the food was kind of meh. And so we lived <laughs> off of cliff bars for like two weeks and I will yep. never, I hate them now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then went to Beijing and yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest experience to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of, I had a coach, but he was very young and wasn't really a swim coach. He was a kinesiology student Um, and he tried his best. Um, But when you're at that level, I really needed more guidance, I think, more than he could provide, not his fault at all. Um, And got to the games and tried to taper and felt really gross. Mm -hmm. Um, And people are kind of like, well, that's what tapering feels like. I'm like, no, I've been tapered before. This is not the right feeling. Right. Um, and unfortunately it, it reflected in my races. We only had two races for us, 11 women in Beijing, which was very frustrating. Um, I'd been training for breaststroke again and they took it out at the last minute. So I had to switch back uh. to freestyle and, um, yeah, but I mean, I went right. And it was again, another kind of learning experience of like what works for me and what doesn't. And at that point I sort of thought, well, sports done and I remember I came off the deck uh the pool deck after my first or my last race and I didn't make finals um which was just devastating to me because I had always made finals yeah um and I was crying geez people are gonna think I cry a lot I really don't um (laughs) and uh I haven't seen you cry a whole lot so I cry when appropriate Um, yes you do and that's okay emotion is good yeah we need we need to do that um and I yep. remember someone saying to me well why are you crying I said, well that was my last race like I'm done that was really disappointing like, oh no you'll be back I'm like no I won't um and I left all of my swim equipment on the deck I put my cap down I left my kickboard I left my tappers I left everything just left it yep, yep. I was done very done yep um but apparently not <laughs> <laughs> well you just you, 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 you took a you took a little bit of, you took a sporting break but sure you did. didn't but you didn't exactly take a break no I went to massage school and I worked and I sort of started oh and then I went to geez then I went to University of Edinburgh for eight months and took a uh, performance psychology diploma just because I could um, yep. and because I was there and I'm like why not um, and I was working as a massage therapist um, and I sort of started trying to get into running but 
I was awful. Like that hadn't changed at all from high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was like, never mind. Why am I trying to run? And then sort of like 2014, 2015, I started getting the bug. I don't know that it ever went away, but it came back that I wanted to compete. And I started looking at triathlon and I'm like, why can't I do that? Cause it was something I had, it had been brought to my attention in 2008. And I was like, Hmm, cool. And then I just started, I bought a treadmill and I signed up for a half marathon. Um, and yeah, why, you know, I just skipped all the other things. I skipped all the other things with swimming. Why not just, you know, jump? Why not skip them all with triathlon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) so I taught myself how to run. It wasn't pretty. Um, and ran (laughs) my first half marathon like three months later. And then I was like, "Eh, neat. Um, ran another one and then got convinced, like literally convinced. Yep. Uh, to run California international marathon, which I was like, this is ridiculous. Why am I doing this? <laughs> yep. Um, and then I, I was able to get in triathlon from there and I, I picked running, um, because I knew it was going to be the hardest for me yeah. to do. So yeah. I was like, well, if I can't run, there's no point in me even looking at triathlon as a competitive thing. So, right. But also during this time, you're you're getting your master's degree from, uh, oh, yeah, that from, thing too. from yeah from the University <laughs> of Southern Ca- Southern California. So mm-hmm. you know, fun times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, remember that whole I do too much all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> I haven't and that, learned by then. Yeah. That, well, you still haven't. So <laughs> I can <I'm> better. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> naps fair enough (laughs) uh so you jump into triathlon you get recruited you know i think canada was starting to put together you know because because you know paratriathlon was really new um like you know athletes with disabilities had had done Mm -hmm. triathlon like you know but it was more focused on ironman half ironman um, but like, you know, back in like 2010, they officially made it, a like a, a sport that, and then in 2014, they announced it was going to be in the Paralympics. And, um, in 20, you know, 2016, we had, we had the first Paralympic games. And first I think, ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, for triathlon. And so I think, you know, you, like you were just getting into triathlon then. So you didn't, you didn't go to the, the, you know, the 2016, definitely not i couldn't even run a 5k (laughs) yeah yeah so but but you dove but you dove straight in like right around right around that time and and Mm -hmm. canada canada had a pretty small team um and tiny yeah and and you trained but then decided to move across the country to pursue triathlon i did um so i was living back in Ontario. I move a lot. Um, I'm now in Victoria, British Columbia. And I think this is the longest I've stayed put in one place after I moved out of my parents' house. Um, so, um, I moved out here in 2017. We had had, um, a talent identification camp in 2016 at the end of 2016. Um, and I got invited, which was very cool. 
and kind of went through like three or four days of testing and like exposure to triathlon and um, the head coach at the time, and she's still the head coach with Carolyn Murray. And she, you know, kind of guided me through things. And at the end of the camp, she was having meetings with every athlete. And I sat down with her and I was like, look, I'm an older athlete. I've been out of sport for a very long time. I literally was a couch potato. Like I walked places. That was my exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't really have a base anymore. Um, I don't want to waste your time and money. I don't want to waste my time and money. What do you think? Should I do this for competition or should I do it just to be healthy? Which I was okay with too. If that was her answer. Yep. Um, and she said, no, I, I want you to consider doing this competitively and I'm going to start writing your workouts. And I was like, Oh, we're in it now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, all right, let's do it. So I flew back to Ontario and she said in that meeting as well, but I'd really like you to move out to Victoria. I'm like, but I just moved like within Ontario. I just moved. Yep. And, um, you know, and she's like, okay, well you think about it. Well, think about it. I was out here within six months. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. I love it. Yes. It's, it's a great, it's a great place. Um, so, but you, you, you jump right into triathlon, you start competing internationally, um, a lot more than you ever did swimming, honestly. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so like, but you also kind of didn't have, it, it was, let's just say it was not a smooth triathlon road. I feel like no road is, is anyone's road smooth? Like I don't, I, <laughs> not was, really. No. Yeah. There, there but, but yeah, a but, large potholes. <laughs> yeah. But like, but like, but like if you know, everyone else, ever like everyone else has you know, potholes in the road, I, I think, I think like your road was more like a boulder field. Um, <laughs> like you you've kind of battled like it because it's really funny because a lot of a lot of you know runners and swimmers and cyclists they get into like a lot of people are into triathlon because they're like oh it's great cross training and like i like you know it's it's a better way to stay injury free um (laughs) not for me (laughs) but but you kind of i mean you've you've kind of battled the injury bug off and on um how why are you still how, in the sport why? yeah good and, and like you know <laughs> how why how why like what what is <laughs> what do you like what in the world <laughs> uh, that's fair sometimes I've asked myself that too um there's there's a lot of reasons one I think part of the reason why I kept getting injured was because I have this thing which I think in some ways makes me a good triathlete and it makes me good at other things too it's not just triathlon Mm -hmm. but I have this like mental strength and I'm not saying that other people don't because they definitely do sure um but I'm able to just move through and think it's not a big deal which we've Mm -hmm. noticed with the silver medal thing um (laughs) and then it's later that I'm like, Oh, <laughs> that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like, I think if we look back, like I, I was always in the first couple of years battling shin fractures, 
mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't for lack of trying not to have them um, yep. or taking care of myself or other people trying to take care of me. It was just my legs weren't used to running. They were, they didn't have that kind of, um, I don't know, like the, what's that word? You know, that word, <laughs> you're the, you're the, you're the sports dude. The like the, the, the foundation of like, yeah. I didn't have that. Right. Like if, right. if I get a bone scan, my bone density in certain bones is thinner because of not having that, um, basically pounding on the pavement. It was because I was swimming. Yeah. yeah. Stress you did, yeah. Of, was not on the bones. Yeah. Um, so there was that. And then I don't know, somehow I got an ab tear. We still don't know how that happened. It just, and that was fun. Not really. Yeah. Um, and then I had post viral syndrome, which I think we're still working with. And I wasn't, Yep. I thought that was going to take me out. Like I thought that was the yeah. end um, for me, which yeah. was very sad. Yeah. Um, and I, I, but this has all happened since 2017. So I feel like it's a lot in a short period of time. It kind of is. Um, and I know, I know there are other people out there who have gone through this too. Right. And I'm just saying yeah. like, you know, we, we experience this and somehow we find the drive to keep going. And I think part of it is a, I love pushing my limits and my boundaries and, mm-hmm. I have no idea where those are with triathlon. Like, right. you know, I thought by now I would have hit it and I don't think that I have. So that to me is very exciting. Yep. Um, I also love the team that I have built around me and that's mm-hmm. including people who are far away like you Yep. and my guides, all of the guides that I have had over the years and my new guide, Emma Skog, just people that I've learned from and bring so much value to my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And my teammates, like we're all over Canada. I'm the only one in Victoria right now, except Emma. And so like when we all come together, it's just like this, it's so amazing. Um, My coaches, my just, yeah, I think it's like having that place of belonging. Um, Also, I think within sport, and I'm not sure if you feel this way, but within Paralympic sport, most of the time, it's not you're the blind athlete. It's just right. you're the athlete, right? Yep. And so to take that disability, it's not that we ignore the disability piece because it's it um, informs how we do training and sure. and that and resting and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I get to be an athlete, and I think. Yep you know, that side of it and just being a human is yeah. so nice. I don't have to explain to someone, you know, there's, I don't feel like I need to explain to someone as much as I'm like, Hey, accept yourself, be comfortable with yourself. I try, yeah. but I have moments, do. you know, and like when I get on the bus and I sit on someone because <laughs> the disability priority seating is full. And yeah, no one lets happens. me know that they're there. <laughs> yep. You know, like all of a sudden I go from this person who's moving independently through the world to the blind girl who's sitting on people. 
happens to us all. Yeah, I sit on people at work too. I mean, at least my my coworkers are amazing, and we make jokes out yeah, of it. And totally. usually, they catch me before I sit on them. Yep. Um, but you know, B find the chair. That's my new guide dog. B find the chair is not the same as B find an empty chair, right? She finds a chair. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. Does that make sense? Like it's like yeah. that. I'm a person. I just get yep. to be a person. Yep. So now we have to, we have to shift gears a little bit because oh my everyone... gosh, do people still want to hear me? I don't, this is, okay, go. Because <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you, especially, yeah, so, so this, this episode is going to drop the week of Valentine's Day. Oh, um, so cute. People, <laughs> lo- for some reason, love hearing how we met and your fault how how we started it is 100% your fault just not my fault but <laughs> so i i i could tell the story but you tell it a whole lot better um so i, I, I will, that's true uh, it's a pretty good it's pretty good way to tell it <laughs> I, I tell it the I tell it the real way <laughs> that it was your fault okay so <laughs> um Man, I just feel like I'm talking, talking, talking. Okay, so we <laughs> we had been racing the same circuit for a while, right? Like a year? Probably a year-ish. Yeah. So like I noticed your name pop up on the start list because I like to comb through the start list um, for everybody, which I don't really do that anymore, actually, to be honest. Um, yeah. It, I don't know. It was a thing that I used to do and I don't do that anymore. I'm like, whoever shows up, this is who I'm racing. Um, (laughs) And so um, I remember seeing your name pop up on on the start list. I'm like, hmm, who's that? And like, there were a few people who popped up around that time, right? And I was like, hmm. And, um, but I didn't put any more thought into it. Um, And us both not being able to see, I'm sure we passed by each other multiple times and had no idea. Um, So... It was it was still during race season. It's like May-ish, June-ish of mm-hmm. 2019. I, yeah. yeah. Um, you sent me a Facebook friend request, which I was like, how did you do that? Because I have mine on serious lockdown. Um we had a bunch apparently- of we, we had a bunch of mutual <laughs> friends and like I, so I let you. Yeah, so well and, and like I was I was you know, I was trying to just tap in and plug into the the blind and visually impaired triathlon community because i was like you know i was still pretty new in the i, I mean i i was still really really new in the in the in the in the world triathlon mm-hmm. world <laughs> um so i was just trying to plug in and get You're connected with as many friends. blind triathletes oh, yeah i was trying nice yeah. So, uh, anyway, but you accepted so, the friend request. Well, so. I did, but see, this is how it's his fault, right? He started it. So <laughs> I accepted his friend request and I was like, okay, whatever. I really don't do anything on Facebook. Like I'm just not a Facebook person. I don't know why I know I need to be better. It's something I'm working on. Um, that's another story. Uh, it's okay. so, <laughs> so then, race season continues. We get to Switzerland for world championships. Um, I'm trying to keep myself occupied because here we are, we're at worlds. Um, I have a new guide. We've only been racing together since 
May. <laughs> um, <laughs> we live on opposite sides of the country. So like getting to know each other and learning how to work together um, has been like challenging, rewarding, but challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I here I say I don't do Facebook, but here I am browsing Facebook because I have nothing else to do, trying to keep myself from getting too nervous. And I saw that you had posted these like recap. No, what were they? They were like preview videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like predicting who's going to win things at Worlds in the PTVI men's and women's races. And so I'm like, huh. Okay. So I start watching it and he decides that I'm going to be fifth. And I, I, I said fourth or fifth. <laughs> I did. I, 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 I was, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it was fourth, but yeah. or fifth. That video still exists, I'm sure. So it does. I'm like, rude. <laughs> so I stopped watching. Um, so then we race, and uh, I, it was, it was, a pretty challenging race course actually the bike was very hard there was a lot of uphill um and unlike kyle i am not a master at climbing hills on a bike but we tried (laughs) (laughs) and uh we get off the bike and we're running and i don't even know what place we were in at that point i think we were in third um or maybe second and someone passed us on the run i'm not sure and because I actually when I'm racing I don't want to know where everybody else is I just want to race my own race and unless we're like really close and someone's sprinting me to the fish line don't tell me where anybody is um I slipped off the curb on one of the u-turns on the run and fell flat on my butt and was sitting on the ground and I don't think I was down there that long but it felt longer and I was like I had some expletive words in my brain for you (laughs) about how I was not going to be fourth or fifth uh and I got up and I ran and we uh came third which is not fourth or fifth yes that is right Uh uh-huh cookie for me (laughs) cookie for you (laughs) thank you uh and so (laughs) that was that and then like a month later, I'm like, okay, I really need to start a blog. I need to do this athlete thing. I need to start a blog, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why I decided that was necessary. Anyway, I started researching other people's blogs. Cause I was like, I need help. I need some inspiration here. I do like writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came across your anniversary post for when you lost your vision. Mm-hmm. And here I am sitting in my condo with my dogs, reading this thing crying my eyeballs look I'm crying again (laughs) and I'm like holy crap this is very powerful and like he needs to know because I know what it's like to write things put it out there and have no idea how it impacts people and I was just like I wanted you to know so I found him on Facebook I knew he was in my friends list and I sent him a message saying hey I read your blog really great writing uh, there was, I think it was nicer than that. It's probably less grocery list than I'm making it sound right now. Um, uh, it was, it was very sweet. I, yeah, I was, it was very sweet. I was very genuinely touched by, um, mm-hmm. by what you had written. And then he messaged me back on Sunday morning and I was like, Hmm. Okay. 
And then I messaged him back. And then he messaged me back. And, and we just and never it stopped. kept going. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> and then and it, therefore your fault. The end. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But so so here's the crazy thing though. Like so so I was going through like I, at the time I was I was going through my my back injury, um, which was you know, which was pretty serious. Um and you know you were coming off of you know world championship bronze medal um you're you're poised and like we're going into 2020 and we all are gearing up like i'm you know and basically my first race back is supposed is going to basically be the u.s paralympic trials um and like you were pretty like i mean no one's ever a shoe in but you were pretty locked in like you were going to be named to the canadian team um it's comfy i still had work to do but yeah, yeah you were you were you were comfy <clears throat> and never so, counted until it's official you know ex- anything exactly, can happen ex- exactly so but i i fly out to victoria we meet in person for the first time at the end of 2019 right at the beginning of 2020 we decide that we're going to become a couple and we're you know this you know a long distance relation work you know we're going to try to match up and and race similar races so we can spend a little bit of time together all you know all this we have these awesome plans um (laughs) and then then they go to shit because of covid yes so covid shuts the world down to see each other for like a couple mm. hours in Sarasota and then, before they send us all home. Yeah. And then and then Canada basically recalls all Canadians and like closes the border. Closes the border. And we don't see each other for over a year. Like a year and a half. Like almost a year and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um we basically we basically got really good at talking on the phone every day. We, you know, did workouts I mean, together. We we did workouts together on the bike. We did core workouts. We like all this different stuff and um, watched movies. Mostly, watched, I watched the movie. Kyle slapped. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the movies. Hey, I introduced you to Ferdinand. That's true. That was very cute. Well, that was a great movie. <laughs> we should watch that again. Uh, oh, it's such a good movie. We should watch that again. <laughs> uh, she introduced me to Princess and or, uh, Princess and the Frog and mm-hmm. a whole bunch princesses. of yeah, uh, uh, other and then we went you know you nostalgic. Have yet to watch Frozen. <laughs> Holding out. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but Part like we, princess education. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we make it all the way through, we get to 2021. They announced that Olympics are going to happen. You mm-hmm. are bat, you are battling through, um, you're battling through your ab tear. Um, mm-hmm. and we finally get to see each other, um, in uh, in pleasant prairie um mm-hmm. so like go like just kind of tell us a little bit about like pleasant prairie 
forward and like how we actually finally got to spend a little bit of quality time together. <laughs> Pleasant Prairie was hard. That was a hard race. It was so windy. Was, yeah. Um, I'm still a pool swimmer at heart. So open water tends to freak me out and I have to work really hard at staying calm. Um, and that race sent me into panic um, quite a few times in the water. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was so windy on the bike. Like I was like, we're not going anywhere. And on the run, I thought I was standing still, even though I was like trying my hardest. I was yeah. so tired by the finish line. And for some reason they left this thing in the finishing shoot. It was like this, what was it? It was a like covered wires. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> and I tripped over it and totally yep. like skinned my knees and my hands. And I didn't know how bad it was. Cause I was like in that delirious end of race delirium. Yes. Yep. Um, and thank God for Andy Potts because he was your guide and we're like going to medical. Cause he's like, you need medical and doping control shows up and they're like, you need to go to doping control. And I was, and I'm like, Oh, and I'm so delirious. I don't know what to do. And Andy is like, no, she's going to medical. And so he says to Kyle, grab her hand. And so Kyle grabbed onto me and Andy's like, don't let go. And then Kyle like death grips. And, I, and, like, I, and I'm, <laughs> and you're and I'm, delirious. And I'm, I am very delirious at, at this point. <laughs> Yes. I, I as well when delirious I, I, was just, I was just doing what I was told at that point <laughs> we go to medical doping control follows me there because I'm allowed to go to medical oh I do go to doping uh yep. anyway thanks Andy if you're listening <laughs> um <laughs> that stands out to me I was like oh thank you um and um we're on the brink of Jessica can go back to Canada and quarantine or Jessica can stay in the States and wait till they change the rules and not have to quarantine. Cause if I quarantine, I can't really train. The only thing I can do is use the bike. Um, and so that's when I met your family. It was like, hi, these are my parents. You can live with us for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, that's what happened. Dope. Yep. And so we finally got to spend a little bit of quality time together. Um, you were there in the car when, when I got the call saying that I, when, when I made it to, I made it to the, to the games and then. I think I was like jumped through the roof. You were way calmer than I was. I was very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So I made, I, yeah. So, and like you had got, you had gotten the official news earlier that you had made it so like we 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 both we both went and you know you know tokyo was challenging um it was different for sure they tried so yeah they they really tried hard um we both got we both got fifth in tokyo we both had some pretty pretty hard battles at that at that race but like so looking looking back like how like now we're we're both you know, in the, in the throes of getting ready to start the qualification process for Paris, like how had, like, so, so you, you're four-time Paralympian now, mm-hmm. um, prob- yeah. prob- probably about to be five-time Paralympian. Um, I have anything to say about it. 
(laughs) (laughs) And you have basically been an elite athlete for a long time. 20, 20, between 20 and 25 years, like with an eight year break. Yeah, with an eight year break. But like you like <laughs> even even when you add it all up, you've still been a, a an elite athlete for you know 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. How like what's like what what's different now um compared to the run up to Tokyo, compared to you know your your first couple of games experiences, like what is What's kind of your? Oh man, that could be a whole podcast on its own. (laughs) Um, What's what's just in general? What's what's your mindset around you know going forward to Paris now? The journey that that we're on now. Um, I'm in a very different place. I think I am. There's a lot of gratitude. Um, Mm -hmm. There was going into Tokyo as well. But this is different. It's it's like I am so grateful that I get to race. I'm so grateful that I get to train. Um, last year, I would go for a 10-minute walk and need to have a nap for two hours. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm just so grateful to have my body mostly back. You know, I still have to be careful. Things still aren't quite um, where I'd like them to be. But I think we're on that trajectory and just, you know, being aware. And it's taught me a lot about respecting what your body is telling you, um, respecting resting. I think mm-hmm. we joke about it, but, you know, that was something I really had to learn. Um and knowing what that means, like for me, resting doesn't necessarily mean sleeping. I need quiet. Mm-mm. So like yep. I can, I will sit alone in a room for an hour after I've had a day at work or after I've had a day training, which is still work. Um, and I just need it to be quiet. Um, yep. And I'm happy. Like it's not because I'm sad. I'm just, I'm happy. I just need that space. Um, and so I think it's different this time because I, we always say, enjoy the process. And I did before, but this time it's really different. Like I'm really seeing the details and the minutia of it all. And I think it's Mm -hmm. incredible. Like I'm more thankful to myself for what it's able to do, whether that's going to be, I make the games or not. I don't know, but like, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible what our bodies do and what our brains do and, you know, being aware of like emotional and mental health and, and wellness and just, you know, really taking care of yourself. Yep. And speaking of, you know, that awareness, the, you know, the mental health component Mm -hmm. and combining that, um, we mentioned it earlier, um, we have several dogs, um, <laughs> you, um, and you know, we've also hinted at that. You do not know how to have any empty space on your plate. Um, nope. and you've mentioned that like your, your work. So mm-hmm. tell everyone outside of triathlon, 
like what do you do like what is your what else am I doing what what else what else are you doing <laughs> um so I work part-time at a, a mental health and addiction treatment center um it's called Homewood Ravensview it's here in Victoria um just an incredible group of people that I get to work with they make my patients make going to work worth it my team that's around me makes going to work worth it um it's it's challenging but I I love the work that I do um yeah and so like it's I'm also grateful for that opportunity um it's hard but it's also taught me that like when it's time to take space for myself it's time to take space for myself work needs to stay at work because it will consume you um and it's stuff that we're trying to teach our patients and so the best way is to model it right is to actually live that um and then where my and my heart is there and my heart is in triathlon but we all know I love dogs and so my biggest heart place (laughs) (laughs) um is a company that I started called True North Canine Scent Trailing um and it is right now we have one dog fully trained she came from a company in Florida called Scent Evidence Canine um the CEO is Paul Coley and he is a retired FBI uh, dog handler who saw gaps in search protocols and so he started training dogs to be more effective in their search for missing people and so that's what I do is true north scent trailing is if someone goes missing we deploy Lucy and me Lucy's a little golden retriever and she was picked because she's small and non-intimidating so when people go missing it's traumatizing and we don't want to make the experience more traumatizing and so our company works really hard to bring in dogs that are friendly looking and quiet and approach people gently. Um, And if you try to move, one of the things she does, if she finds you and you try to leave, she follows you. (laughs) Yes, she does. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. Anytime I'm, yeah. Anytime I'm at the house, she, she literally cannot leave me alone because you're, like I, I've been, you know, I've been the the guinea pig, you know, been our you know. hide and seeker volunteer. <laughs> yep, you know, many times, and, yeah. and and Lucy just, you know, she'll just lay right across me. She's like, you do not move. <laughs> She's like, I know you like to leave, so therefore, yep. I'm being proactive. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, yeah, so like so, then, so, so yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I was just I was just gonna say like so, like. So if, um, if people want to kind of learn more about, you know, the, the, the scent trailing, like, you know, kind of what, what you do there, mm-hmm. um, you know, actually go ahead and explain, like, what is the process of like, you know, I mean, obviously like no one ever wants to think, uh, no. someone potentially yeah. is going to go missing, whether that is, um, a little kid playing outside and wanders off or, you know, grandma or grandpa who you know goes for a walk and and you know can't remember how to get home um like no one ever wants to think about that kind of stuff but like it is kind of but it does happen like here i am on vancouver island in the last week in the news um there have been four women who have gone missing Mm -hmm. in a like two hour driving radius like Mm -hmm. that's huge yeah um 
and they're not older women. One was an older woman. She was 81 living with memory loss. Um, someone else was a hiker who got lost. Someone else, I'm not really sure, but it happens. And it's not something that we want to think about. It's kind of like thinking about writing out your will, right? It's, yeah. We don't want to think about those things, but we need to be proactive. And so um, we have these things called scent preservation kits, which Paul actually designed himself and has been researching and testing for 12 years. And they're simple. It's three layers of glass jar with a lid that doesn't corrode. And there's a pad inside and you wipe it on yourself and you seal the jar with the lid. And if you store it properly, you can store someone's scent up for 10 years. And what that does is if someone happens to go missing, God forbid, you call us, we come in with Lucy, I take the lid off, I give her the scent sample or the scent article as some people will know it's called. And it's uncontaminated. It doesn't have any of the search people sent on it. It doesn't have the family sent on it. And so it gives her a very clear picture of this is who I'm looking for. It's like handing someone a photograph and being like, this is who we need. Yep. Um, we can use articles from the home if you don't happen to have a scent preservation kit already bought and used and stored. Mm -hmm. um, and but the scent preservation kits increases the chance of finding someone to 96%. Like, so why, why would you, I guess my question is why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and don't worry. I so, have so, Kyle's scent sealed away. <laughs> so if he does, does happen to go wandering, <laughs> um, Lucy joke, will find me. Lucy will find you. I joke, but <clears throat> like Kyle likes backwoods adventuring. He likes, um, skiing and uh, hiking and mountain running and all those things that are incredible. And someday I will learn how to do maybe. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a good thing, even for people who are outdoor adventurous or enthusiasts, right? Yep. There's, it's yep. just kind of like having insurance. Yep. And it's, and it's, I mean, it's like 20, you know, bucks US to, to do. It's like, it's not yeah. expensive. It's not, like, no. Um, and our goal is to get more dogs trained and place places, right? Because time yep. is of the essence and we want to have dogs in communities, places like, I mean, Aspen, right? You got mountains in places like Whistler, you got mountains in places like Canmore, yep. you got mountains. Um, I'm naming these places because they're outdoor enthusiast um, right. meccas. <laughs> but then you also, but then you also, you know, have, you know, places like Vancouver and Victoria yeah. and, and, yeah. and Ottawa and all, all these other places, Toronto. Where, look, you know, people, people, people look, go they, missing they, in the city. They go, they go missing in the city too. Um, and, and often it's, it's, you know, less than a mile from someone's yeah. house. And nobody um, finds them, even though it's less than a mile from their house. Yeah. And, and so actually what, what is, what's really interesting to me so you 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 said that the like the odds of finding someone with that um scent preservation kit is 96 percent um, that's what rough, paul like, has rough, estimated yeah rough mm -hmm. rough roughly yeah. um so can you just quickly for for <laughs> the novices of us um mm -hmm who don't know much what's the difference between like lucy and and you and like what you guys do like scent trailing versus a search and rescue dog like like calling 
search and rescue? Like what's, so what's the difference? So with search and rescue, when you call them in, unfortunately the area gets super contaminated um, and the sun gets disturbed because you have so many people going around looking. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we don't look in grid patterns. And so Lucy's in the driver's seat. I am just the cognizant passenger. And so what that means is I follow her where her nose takes us. And it, she won't necessarily take us on the path that the person has walked. She will go where their scent is most strong. And so um, it, because I'm following her and we're following her nose, we're more likely to find somebody. Could you give us a, like, an example, like, I mean, we, we've done tons of done tons, yeah. tons of practice um, with Lucy and she's, she's like, she's gone some places that like, she has it just, was definitely the path that people no, took. Yeah. Um, she's run me through chest high grass to find someone. Their scent had settled in there because of the material that grass is. Um, they were on the other side of the field and we could have gone an easier route and they walked an easier route, but we, um, but we found them. And so it's trusting the dog. I've had people hide up in playgrounds. They've been on top of monkey bars. They've been inside tree houses. I've had someone in a tree, (laughs) (laughs) um, in the summer when it's not cold, um, we're going to have people out on paddle boards. So we're going to do some water work. Um, so that's kind of our next step, I guess, which I'm really excited about. Um, we work in neighborhoods, we work um, in trails, um, we've worked on oceanfront, we've worked in snow, um, we try to use every train possible and every type of weather possible. We were out in a wind warning one day, you were here for that, um, <laughs> I was. and she that was, found that was, everybody who was hiding was, for her. Yeah, that was that was wild to, yeah. to see. Yeah, so yeah, wow. she's pretty incredible. And so you're doing, so you're, you're working at Ravensview, you're working with, you're working with Lucy and it like, and, and like you run Lucy a lot during the week. We try and then to do you, four hours a week to keep her skills up. And then, and then we're also, trying to train Pop. And then you also, yeah. Coonhound. So you're, all, yeah. So you're training. A, he so you're training might decide Coonhound. to be pet. well you know but you know it's so you're training puck and like and and then you're also doing like you also do other dog training uh Mm. services whether that be via you know uh, you have you have you you have done dog training via zoom but you have done dog training in person just yesterday Uh, had a great lesson with a basset hound it was so fun <laughs> she's all ears she's all ears it's so cute <laughs> we, we like like so so you like like okay i, mean, I have to warn you, you i'm are... sorry my phone is like yelling at me very low battery <laughs> okay okay well we'll we'll figure we'll, and i feel like ra- everyone's probably like shut up jess we heard enough from you no 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 <laughs> i it, not at all um <laughs> but we're but like so you're doing all this you're juggling triathlon so i think the listeners would agree with me and that you still haven't learned how to uh empty your plate a little <laughs> bit but we are working on it uh Take but <laughs> i love you girl <laughs> um so like if people want to like if people want to learn more about you 
kind of find out mm. more about and follow what you're doing with True North Canine. Um, you know, and then you as as an athlete, where where can where can they follow you? How can they keep? Because I have a feeling you're gonna uh, people are, are going to jump <laughs> I would ship. Love from, it if from, you want to. No, no, no. Because people people are going to jump ship from uh, the Iron Vision train, the K, the, the Iron Vision K train to the uh, the Jess Tuamala. Because they're they're everyone is now going to realize that yes, you are way cooler than me. No, I just have more dogs. That's that's the only. Um, so um, I'm terrible at Facebook. I do have a Facebook up for True North Canine, but I it's a work in progress. But if you want to see more up-to-date things, follow us for tips and tricks or just see what we're up to or see Lucy find someone in a treehouse. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are at true underscore north underscore canine, all spelled out, no capitals. Um, my Instagram handle, so that's Instagram for that one. And my Instagram handle for my athlete is jessica.twamala. So it's J-E-S-S-I-C-A dot T-U-O-M-E-L-A. We also have a website for True North Canine Scent Trailing, um, which is truenorthcanine.dogs.com. I think you can also go to truenorthcanine.ca as well. And that's, and that's all, yeah, and that's yeah. all spelled out. It's so like T-R-U-E-N-O-R-T-H-C-A-N-E.ca. So, yep. So, yeah, you can check those out. And um come follow us. We want more friends. Yeah, want more more <laughs> friends. And and if you are interested in dog, you know, any type of dog questions, training services, anything like that, you know, you can contact Jess through Instagram or or that website. So but but, but yeah, no. So now you all know. Um Jess is way cooler than me. And I I think um I, I mean babe, I I, I really I, I have learned so much from, you know, being, being your, your partner in crime the last, you know, three plus years. And we got lots, lots more time, um, together. And like, you know, we've had a lot of fun little adventures together, whether that, <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to so many more. So thank you so much for, um, you know, for just being my, being my partner and also just, you know, for coming on the, coming on the podcast and sharing, sharing your story. Um, wow. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot from, from this, this episode in particular. I hope so. I hope if anyone learns anything, take naps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> And learn the things that you love about yourself because it's it's really important. And thank you for having me. I know I give you a hard time about podcasts, but I had a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, and thank you for supporting me and listening to me with all my dog things. <laughs> more adventures to come, right? And more, lots more adventures to come. <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much <laughs> yep I do, I do too so thanks okay. so much babe love you, thank you. and uh thank you thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of kicking it with the k train and we will see you next time and uh since this episode is dropping during valentine's week happy valentine's day to everyone happy valentine's day <laughs> see ya <laughs>
Thanks so much, Jess, for coming on the show. You guys, I talk with Jess basically, well, I do talk with Jess every single day, and no matter how many times I talk with her, I, I always learn something new about her, or uh, really, I just come away with a, a deeper appreciation and loving her more than I did the day before. Um, so please go give her a follow on all her social media platforms. Go check out her website, truenorthcanine.ca, T-R-U-E-N-O-R-T-H-C-A-N-I-N-E.ca. And yeah, I mean, she's doing some really cool, incredible stuff. And I think everyone would agree that, yeah, she is way cooler than me. Um, so love you, babe. And uh, just thanks for coming on the show. But if you guys are interested in learning a little bit more about me, uh, following my journey, please give me a follow on all the social media platforms, Instagram at Iron Kyle, that's E-Y-E-R-O-N-K-Y-L-E. You can follow me on Facebook at Kyle Kuhn Speaks and on Twitter at Kyle underscore Kuhn. Please also go check out my website, kylecoon.com and that's where you can pick up a copy of my book discovering a life without limits how cancer took my sight blindness gave me vision and the mountains let me live Uh, it's also available on amazon kindle and audible and if you like the show uh, please give us a review follow us all all that um, really helps us out on the the ratings and, and all that so and guys never ever hesitate uh, to reach out to me via social media i love hearing from you all and just hey thank you so much for all the support and as always keep an eye on your vision